Nealon. Austin Matthews is down, and William Nealander still isn't signed. Does the injury change all of that? We'll, we'll discuss in our main topic for today. Plus, we debut a brand-new segment, Nate Schmidt Gets Paid. The McDavid-Crosby debate continues, and we recap all the latest Bruins and Sens news. Episode 143 has tons of Halloween treats, and it all starts now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. Before we get any further into the show, as always, we delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am ready, yes. Excellent. Uh, just a clarification, I believe you guessed Dennis Savard and the last one was actually Serge Savard. That was my mistake. Oh. But I think as to who perfected it, I think Dennis Savard did. Okay. But Serge did it first. So I wouldn't have noticed, so. <laughs> it was one of them. It was one of them. So okay. we'll give you half a point. Cool. So, this week's question in the meantime, who is, and this should be an easier question, who is the oldest scoring champion in NHL history? Is it A, Bill Cook of the New York Rangers, he did that in 1932-1933, B, Gordy Howe of the Detroit Red Wings, who did it in 62-63, C, Wayne Gretzky of the LA Kings, he did it in 93-94, or D, Martin St. Louis of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He did it in 2012-2013. That was a lockout-shortened season. I don't believe Gretzky won it uh, when he was on the Kings. Um, I will reiterate the question. The oldest scoring champion in NHL history. Oh, oldest scoring. Oldest, oldest scoring champion. I, I misunderstood. I thought it was like the oldest player to win the No, Cup. no. Oldest scoring champion. Um, well then, I feel like, yeah, maybe Wayne Gretzky did win it, win the scoring champion on the Kings, so I'm gonna Oldest go with... scoring champion ever. Alright, when you can't, like, in terms of records, I feel like, uh, you can't go wrong with Gretzky. It's either Gretzky or Howe, so I'm gonna go with Gretzky. It was actually Martin St. Louis. Oh, uh, Damn it. He won it when he was 37, Gretzky won it when he was 33, and Gordy Howe won it when he was 34. Wow. So, right. yeah, that, that I think uh, that, that was one of his final years, actually, in Tampa Bay. So, uh, again, another reason why Martin St. Louis is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a good segue here, but... Um... Nah, there isn't. So... <laughs> We'll just get on with the main topic, I we'll guess. Get on with Speaking the of topic. good players, there's an yeah, attempt yeah. at one. Good players who are not yet old yet. Yeah, um, he's not far from 30. Far from 30, yeah. Uh, we have uh, we're, the biggest injury news um, this week was uh, Austin Matthews. Um, he is out at least a month with a shoulder injury. Um, it says he's out indefinitely, according to Roto World. Um, but he will not require surgery, so that's good. Um, last year, if you guys remember, uh, he was he missed about 20-ish games um, due to his shoulder. Um, it appears that this is the other shoulder that he's dealing with now. But, uh, yeah, the, the, it's kind of a shame because the, uh, you know, the, the Leafs were doing so well um, with him on the team, and he was doing so well because he had like 10 goals in his first five games or something like that. 
Um, I forget the exact statistic, but he was he had a lot of goals early on. Um, it's the point I was getting at. And uh, now, um, so now he's going to be out a month. Um, it's kind of funny because it's like now the Maple Leafs don't have Nylander and Matthews, and you know Tavares kind of joined the team because they had guys like Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. Um, so it's, uh, um, you know, they have that young core. And now, you know, Tavar, you know, the, the Islanders aren't doing so badly. Um, <laughs> but, like, Tavares is by far their best player. Although Marner isn't that bad, I shouldn't say that. But, um, but it's still kind of funny that, you know, now, uh, you know, uh, Tavares joined the Leafs because of the embarrassment of riches, and now one is injured and one is not playing uh, due to contract disputes. So, um, I have to ask first, how will this affect the Leafs as a whole? Well, for, first off, um, it, it should be noted, like Brett said, um, Austin Matthews missed 10 games in late February to late March of last year. And the Leafs did pretty well with without him in the lineup. And he comes back. In the final nine games he's played, he registers a point in all of them. He gets six goals, seven assists. That's 13 points in nine games. So my, interest, my question um, to you guys is, how do you think this injury is going to affect um, the release point of Austin Matthews when he returns or his accuracy when he returns? How can he adapt and be successful once he comes back? Um, right. I don't think the big question is how the Leafs are going to do without him. We can step up. Um, Par Lindholm is probably going to get um, more ice time as a result of this as a depth center. And hey, Nazem Kadri, who was snake bitten to score goals, he's got goals in each of his last two games. He's probably going to get a bigger role now as a result right. of Matthews being out. So the Leafs have the resources to get by without Austin Matthews. Um, and, and before everyone's just like, oh, you know, their offense is going to slow down because Matthews isn't on the ice. Matthews has gone goalless in five straight, pointless in four straight. And the Leafs aren't scoring four goals like they were at the start of the season. So um, I think the Leafs have had to adapt – even with Matthews in the lineup before yeah. this injury, so I I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to affect the way the Leafs uh, do business uh, on the ice. So they're still a very talented team. They're still going to put up some wins. Um, and if you look at Freddie Anderson, he hasn't given up more than three goals in five straight starts. So he's starting to find his game. Too. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good thing that they got Tavares because of these kind of situations where. Um, you know, guys are injured, and you know, they Kadri was a third line center, um, <clears throat> even though he'd be a second line center on most teams. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, embarrassment of riches, and this is where they can take advantage of their depth. Um, when they lose a guy like Matthews, it may not be as big of a deal because they have a guy like Kadri, you know, on the third line, and now he's going to be on the second line. So so maybe it's not as bad of a deal, uh, considering that uh, you said that he missed 10 games. He actually missed 20 games in full uh, last year. Well, um, yeah, uh, true. But um, I, I should specify, he missed 10 games with that 
injured shoulder uh, last year from late February to late March. But in total, he then missed 20 games. he comes back and he gets a nine-game uh, point streak to end the year. Right, but in total, he missed 20 Sorry, games. in total, yes, you're right. He missed 20 games in total, but that other shoulder that he injured last year, Right. That kept him out for 10 games from late February to late March. I should have specified before. That's okay. So thanks for catching that. But yeah. this was the other shoulder that he hurt last yeah, year. Yeah, no, I just... It was forced ca- him to miss 10 of the 20 games. I was just clarifying that he... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. What you were saying. Um, yeah. yeah. And also, it's like, uh, nowadays, the, the latest on Nylander is uh, apparently he's playing... He's going to be playing in Switzerland... Uh, for a bit, um, which is kind of weird because he could get injured and uh, kind of ruin his whole uh, philosophy, I guess. Um, yeah, whatever leverage he has left, yeah. Exactly, but um, it looks like, you know, Dubes went to uh, Nylander a couple of weeks ago. He flew out uh, to meet Nylander, so they're, I guess they're still in talks, um, but it's, uh, it's it appears that they haven't had a deal just yet, and I kind of wonder if with this news, with Matthews, like, does this mean that, uh, you know, a Nylander will be signed anytime soon, and that I'm not necessarily sure about. I mean, Casper Kapanen hasn't been that terrible either, so uh, maybe there is something to just um, waiting and see until, like, maybe that's the bigger factor, is if Casper Kapanen has a cold streak, uh, then maybe there are more need to sign Nylander, but once Kapanen isn't as good, um, then they'll be, you know, like Kapanen has been able to replace Nylander as is right now, um, but you know, uh, Nylander may uh, may have an effect on them if Kapanen all of a sudden starts to um, fold or not be as good. Uh, which is definitely possible. Um, anyways, um, yeah, and uh, I, I also wanted to talk about how, like, this wasn't really a question, but um, I also wanted to say how, like, you know, I think we were talking about this before when he, you know, when Matthews had this hot start to start the season. Um, you know, Matthews hasn't played a full season in two years, as I mentioned before, and, like, we were kind of, talking about how we were kind of we wanted to see him play a full season before we can compare him to McDavid, Line, all these guys, um, before we can say like, hey, you know, so it's kind of a shame that he's not gonna be playing a full season again. Um, because, you know, those kind of debates are kind of fun, even though obviously McDavid is better than him, but um, it's 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 kinda sad to see like when a young player like that gets injured a lot in his, you know, in early on in his career. You know, you don't know if that means, like, he's going to be an Eric Lindros type or, like, something like Sidney Crosby, where Sidney Crosby got injured a lot early on in his uh, career, but um, he ended up being okay, um, whereas Eric Lindros had a couple good years, but he got injured so many times that he had to end his career um, early. Um, so I hope it's, it doesn't turn out that way, but, um, but yeah, it it is something that you have to think about in terms of like, well, is this going to be a prolonging injury or not? 
Yeah, well, I, I think it's too early to be asking whether or not it's going to affect his legacy because so many factors affect a player's legacy. I mean, Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of our generation The knock on him for years, oh, you can't win in the playoffs. And last year he finally did. And Patrice Bergeron, early in his career, uh, all those head injuries, people right. were worried that his career might be over. And now he's the face of the Bruins, yeah. and he has been for years. Yeah, I guess it and, is a little too early to be asking that. Yeah. That's true. Like, even Mark Stone in Ottawa, like, he hasn't had the best luck with getting through an 82-game season, but right. it doesn't change the fact he's one of the best two-way forwards in the game right now. True. I think unless his health starts to affect his play, Austin Matthews' legacy won't be tarnished from a health perspective. Yeah. And and the nine-game point streak that I mentioned after he came back from his other shoulder injury last year is a glaring example of that. And even if... He plays like a full 82-game season. I don't think Matthews is better or as good as McDavid. And, yeah. and Mark Shifley admitted that uh, a few weeks ago in an interview with NHL.com and Sportsnet. And, like, he, he, met, he said that Austin's a great player and he's got a lot of skill, but McDavid's put up back-to-back 100-point seasons. And you look at what the Edmonton Oilers uh, look like without Connor McDavid being his dominant self. Like and and we if we get to the Crosby um, McDavid debate, uh, we'll we'll delve into more of that. But um, in, in that debate, I bring up a stat that Connor McDavid was involved in nine straight Oilers goals. Right. Like he got a goal or an assist on nine straight Edmonton Oilers goals. Not too many players in NHL history have done something like that. Yeah. So. Edmonton Oilers' offense revolves around Connor McDavid. But if you look at Toronto, their offense doesn't revolve around Austin Matthews. It doesn't revolve around Mitch Marner or William Nylander or even John Tavares, for that matter. Anyone can step up and have a good game. And there can be a different difference maker every night for the regular season. Right. Because the Leafs are that good. But the Edmonton Oilers rely on Connor McDavid so much and he is able to thrive under that pressure and constantly deliver. That is a superstar. That is a superstar in another level. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what Austin Matthews does, his legacy is going to be affected because he's on the better team. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, it's a fair, <laughs> fair assessment. I, I don't know why I brought that up. I guess it was more just... So I was thinking, like, oh, this is his other shoulder. This may be a persisting injury in his career. I hope not, yeah. but um, that's well, yeah. kind of like... And, and, you know, if, if it recurs in, like, year four or year five, then, yeah, then yeah you know, it's... It, it, like, like, even if it was, like, this was his third or fourth shoulder injury, like I said, until it starts to affect his play, there's, there's no sense in really making the argument that's going to affect his legacy. Right. Because, like I said... There are so many other factors, like performance in the playoffs, for example, that affect a player's legacy. I mean, I mean, Carey Price hasn't even made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and people for a long time regard him as one of the best goalies in the league right yeah. now. Yeah, well, it looks like he's back to, to form now. But yeah, exactly. I know. So, um, yeah, there's that. Uh, let's, let's, uh, this kind of brings us to our next topic. So we're going to do a little bit, something a little bit different now. Uh, we, uh, we're going to do power uh, rings. Before we get to that, oh. do you think William Nylander is signed now Sorry. that 
Austin Matthews is hurt, and if he's signed, how long do you think it's going to take? I say he gets signed this week. Um, I think it depends. Well, they lost last night to the Flames. Um, they only scored one goal, and this was a Flames team that yeah. absolutely got lit up like a Christmas tree this week. Um, so uh, I feel like if the, it really depends on their play, like if they if they can't st- score anymore. Um, then I think they will sign him within the week. Um, but if it really depends on on that, like if they start scoring, they, um, you know, I don't think I think they can push this back a bit. Um, but you know, it seems like Nazem Kadri was has been pretty good so far. He's you know he's been uh, he scored like two goals. You said that he scored a goal. Um, well, he definitely scored a goal last night. Um, I think he scored a goal in the game before that too. So um, when Matthews was injured, so I think um, Kadri isn't a bad replacement for Matthews, um, but it's still, um, yeah, I think they could use a guy like Nylander at this point. And they've so. experimented with uh, Nylander at center in the past too. In fact, right. I think that's something that they pondered the last time Matthews had that shoulder injury. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, I definitely, I definitely think there's a possibility that within the week, Neil and Dirk comes back, especially like you said, if they don't score. Um, but, um, it should also be noted that December 1st, I believe is the magical day where, uh, in order for Neil and Dirk to be eligible to play, something has to be reached by then. So, um, okay. at some point he's probably going to get signed. Yeah, or, or traded or something. But yes, yeah, at, at one something point. will happen probably before December first. But yeah, I think I think this this just adds the urgency. Um. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna try something a little bit different here. Um, kind of. I mean, most sites you look at have power rankings. Uh, so we decided to do that. Uh, uh now so. Instead of actually going through all 31 teams and power ranking them, because that's going to take way too long, I know yeah. um, it would probably, you know, last last week we... It would probably be an entire yeah, episode, right? I know, I was about to say, <laughs> last week our episode was like two hours, so it would be like, you know, three hours if we did that. So instead we're going to reduce it to uh, top three and bottom three, we may eventually move it to bo- top five and bottom five, but for now we're doing top three, bottom three. Uh, so we each have our own, uh, three teams on the top and three t- bottom teams at the bottom. Um, and we can, uh, um, and I don't know what Steve has. I, he doesn't know what I have. Um, so we'll see if, if they're alike or not. Um, all right. Do you want to go first for the top three, or should I? I can go first. Okay. So I'm keeping the Leafs at the top simply because they're able to overcome their two-game slump and get results like they did against Winnipeg on Saturday. They were down two nothing. They find a way to come back to tie the game. They uh, win the game shortly after they tied it. No OT was needed to decide a winner, and I believe they actually won uh, the first game against Winnipeg too. So, again, they were able to just go out there and get results. Um, they obviously didn't uh, last night against Calgary, um, Monday night against Calgary. But, um, again, you know, that's that's one game. You know, um, you're, you're bound to have a bad game once in a while. 
Um, but um, for now, they're tops on my list just because um, we they were getting results without a productive Austin Matthews. Now they could go down if they have a bad week with Matthews out, but for now they're still at the top, mostly because Freddie Anderson, like I said, is starting to find his game again. He was going up against some tough teams like Washington, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Winnipeg twice. And over those five straight starts, no more than three goals against. So um, I would put the Leafs on, on the top spot for now. Um, second, spot i actually went with the abs for this okay. one uh, mostly because of their solid offense their um overall performance in that has also been good um unlike in what grubauer and brown lover bring to the table thus far and in third i would say pittsburgh because crosby had an outstanding week he was named to the nhl's three stars of the week um i didn't put them higher uh because i don't think i've seen enough from matt murray yet um, he's, he's showing signs that he's back, but um, I just want to see a bit more consistency out of him. And you have guys like Evgeny Malkin who are also lighting it up. So they're definitely a team on the rise, definitely a top three team, but they're not number one for me. Yet. Okay. So that automatically means that uh, we have our first disagreement here because I have the Penguins at first. Um, okay. I... You know, it was. I was thinking about it. I was thinking no, about it. No, that's fine. Uh, I understand, especially with uh, Crosby finally getting his first goal, and then it seems like he's he's getting going, and it's it's hard to count like the Penguins out. I because, think he's got five goals in nine games. Yes, now. something like that. But uh, like he has, I have to check again. But I think he has, yeah, nine games. Do you say? I have five goals in nine games, and yeah. I believe he has 12 points. But f in five of those, yeah. like, I think he has, he got those five goals in three games. <laughs> uh, yeah, in his and, last and three. during the Western Canada road trip, he yeah. had two goals against um, Edmonton. I think he had one against Calgary and two against Vancouver. Right. Something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it was 2-1-2. Yeah. Two, Something like that. But, like, anyways, it, it's impressive that he, he, it looks like he's back in terms of actually scoring um, and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, and then I also, you know, Malkin's uh, been incredible. Uh, Gensel and Kessel have also been incredible, too. Um, I guess there is a concern about Matt Murray, but, you know, so far it seems like he's, you know, since returning from the injury, you know, I guess he did, he did give up five goals against the Oilers, but the Oilers are a sneaky good team as well. And um, they had 46 shots yeah. in that game, too, so he was heavily tested. Yeah, and it's also like they got bla they blasted the, the Flames 9-1, to one, not just on the offensive side, but on the defensive side. Um, and in that game, they, they yeah. actually gave up 39 shots and, right. and uh, only mustered 36. So they're actually outshot in that blowout somehow. Yeah, so I think that there is something to that where, um, you know, I feel like Murray sure still needs to work out the kinks. But, you know, at the same time, when you have guys like Malkin, Kessel, Crosby, Latang, Gensel, Hornquist. They buy you some time, 100%. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, you know, maybe, like, he may uh, take some time before he gets actually good, but there, he's definitely showing signs where he, when he can shut out 
the Leafs, and he gives up one goal to the to the Flames. Um, so I'm kind of giving the the Oilers an aberration out of that game, uh, just because the Oilers are actually kind of decent this year too. So so there's that. Uh, the second team I have is uh, might be a little bit of a shock because I'm surprised you didn't even mention them. The Nashville Predators. Um, are going to be my team. They previously went on a five-game win streak, then they lost to San Jose, but then they beat New Jersey, and then they lost to Edmonton, who, again, Edmonton's a pretty good team now. Um, but, um, I mean, I know Pecorine has been out, um, but Saros hasn't been terrible other than a couple of games um, here and there. But um, I can't really complain about that, but I think uh, once, you know, once Rene is healthy, um, you know, like this is what they can do without Rene, and I think it's it's just impressive that they're still top of the central. They're top. They're still, they're still maintaining the lead um, in the in the central division, even even with Rene out. Um, so I think that's impressive. Philip Forsberg has been amazing. He has 14 yeah, points, 10 goals. Yeah, he got a hat trick, uh, and yeah. that lost Edmonton too. So I, I, I would say I think they're this, they're this, they're in my second spot, and then third, I, <laughs> I was leaning towards doing give, giving this to the the Leafs or uh, into the uh, to the Wild because they had a five game winning streak, but they just lost to the um, the Canucks last night, um, so that kind of ruined that they would have had. They would have been the three spot for me had they won again against the Canucks, but I I can't justify uh, putting them up there when they lose the Canucks like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't blame you. So um so I'm going with the Leafs here. Um I I am concerned with their like as we just talked about with Austin Matthews injury, um and they did lose last night to the Flames, so I wouldn't be surprised if I don't have them. Um, on the three spot next week, but at the moment, uh, you know, Mitch Barner has been pretty good. Uh, Morgan Riley still uh, decent. We just mentioned Nazem Kadri before. Uh, Kapanen has been uh, good too, kind of making them not miss Nylander as much. Uh, John Tavares has also been pretty good too. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 I still feel good with keeping them up here, at, but at three instead of um, not. <laughs> um, I, I would have put Nashville higher on mine. I had them at yeah. fourth. Okay, okay. But um, they, they kind of sputtered a little bit um, towards the later stage of the week. So um, if for, for that reason, uh, for, for their mini slide that they've been on, um, Nashville didn't make the top three, but if it was a top five, they'd definitely be on there 100%. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, let's go to the bottom of three. I think since I started last week, or since you started last week, since you started the <laughs> since top I started three. 10 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, by last week, I mean 10 minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll do the bottom three. I'll start with the bottom, my okay, bottom three. Fair, yeah, okay. Okay. So, um, I guess I, I'm going to save the, the worst for last. Um, so the third last I have is the Anaheim Ducks. Um, currently, they're five five and two and fifth in the divi- in the Pacific Division. So they're not like technically by record standpoint they're not in the bottom three, but they've lost five games. 
Um, it seems like they're definitely hurting this the the all the injuries that they have. I guess they're gonna get uh, Jacob Silverberg back, but I feel like it's um, it's it's not looking great for them. Um, I don't. And Comtois is yeah. also hurt. And Comtois is hurt. Yeah. So um, so I'm not, I'm not like as incredible as Gibbs, John Gibson is. Um, I'm still like you know. It's, it's like, that's not the guy I'm worried about. I'm worried about everyone else on the team. And if they can remain healthy, um, and they just looked like sluggish the, the last couple of games. So I feel like uh, they deserve at least a mention in the top, the bottom three here. Um, I don't expect them to continue to stay here, um, but uh, it is a moment of uh, concern when they lose five straight. Especially when it's like, Teams like Dallas, Chicago, Buffalo, Vegas, like and San Jose. So those are the five teams they lost about. Other than San Jose, you know, you can't really like say that they should lose to all those guys. So um, I, you know, I feel like um, it. It seems like the Ducks are just not in a great position at the moment, and it could have cost them uh, later on in the season when they do an actual playoff push. Um, so. Um, I, it's like slow, it's time for concern, but it's also like you, I do want to wait to see, uh, what they're like when they're healthy, um, at the same time. See, the, the one positive thing is that John Gibson has disguised quite a, uh, not quite a few, a lot of their weaknesses. Yeah. And the problem is now they're starting to get exposed. Right, exactly. So, so um. That, that also might hurt John Gibson in the long run. And we might talk about the Ducks in greater detail next week. So I'm going to save some more of the stats okay. there for next sure. week. But, um, yeah, it's staggering how overworked John Gibson is right now. Yeah, and just how much, like, he's he's basically been their MVP. Um, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to take this away from how good John Gibson has been. But, like, the rest of the team, yeah, not, not yeah. as good. John Gibson is great. The team exactly. is not. Exactly. Uh, Los Angeles is my second to worst team um, in this uh, in this bottom three. Uh, they previously lost to uh, seven six in a row, um, and then they beat the Rangers on Sunday. But um, but you know it's the Rangers we're talking about. Quick, it, we're going to talk about Quick being injured again. Um, in our rapid fire, but, um, I think that's another effect of it, and, and I talked about this last week briefly, that, like, I feel like the Kings are so slow, um, that it's, it's definitely having an effect on the, on the whole team, and when you bring in a guy like Kovalchuk, who hasn't been terrible, by the way, but when you bring in a guy like Kovalchuk, who is 35 years old, um, you know, he, he doesn't really inspire much in terms of, actually, you know, issue, uh, kind of, like, solving the, the King's problem. He doesn't problem. start the pace. So exactly. So, um, it's tough to say. I think, I do think that, I mean, I know we're going to talk about this sometime next week, um, more <laughs> on the Kings, but I think, um, in a way, like, I feel like, you know, guys like Drew Doughty and Kopitar and Carter, I do expect them to come back. Um, or bounce back, uh, but at the moment it just seems like 
you know, everyone's doing terribly. Um, even Kovalchuk, who's their leading point scorer, he has eight points in eleven games. Um, so that's uh, that's not good. Um, and then lastly, I I, I assume this is going to be your last team as well. Um, it's the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, they are two seven and two, um, eighth in the division. They uh, I think they've they did win. Um, against Dallas on, uh, on Sunday, but, you know, they, they haven't, uh, they lost their first, uh, seven games, um, uh, two in overtime in shootout, but, uh, the, you know, it's not, um, you know, they had their first regulation win on Sunday, um, they've been by far the worst team, um, in the league, uh, just by that, uh, Dylan Larkin's been okay, he's been the only one that's, been decent, um, but still nine points in eleven games. He could do better than that. Gustav Nyquist has eight points. Um, it's it's also like you know it just seems like it feels like they're they've been tanking for Jack Hughes um, <laughs> already. Uh, I guess they want the uh, the uh, although I found out that Jack Hughes didn't grow up in Detroit or Michigan. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just wanted to get a mich. I think he grew up around Michigan, so uh, I would I I I assume that they kind of are you know tanking for him and just trying to get him because there's no other reason why Phillips Zadina isn't in this lineup here. Um, but that's yeah. that's my own um, thing here. Just you know, just see see what he can do. Um, you know, just play his nine games. I understand you don't want to rush him, but it, it just it doesn't make sense why, like, a guy like Luke Glendening or, like, uh, um, let's see here, uh, Thomas Vanek are playing ahead of Zadina. Uh, Abdelkader, uh, those guys are playing ahead of Zadina. And it's like, it's, you know, we thought, like, the, the Red Wings were going to be bad. We didn't expect them to make the playoffs so there's all that, but at the same time, we didn't expect them to be this bad. Yeah. Um, so that's that that is definitely a concern for for sure. Uh, Tyler on the bright side, Tyler Bertuzzi has actually been decent. I like what he's se- I've seen of him. Um, same as Dennis Chalowski, um, and a co- he's been pretty he's been decent as well. But um, you know, so there are a couple of young players, but still it seems like this. This team is a tire fire, and it's going to st- remain that way for the entire season. And I think this is also a good way to find out if Jeff Blashill is the coach that right. you want coaching this team moving forward. So yeah. maybe see what he's made up there. Um, yep. uh, for my bottom three, um, assuming you don't have anything else to add. No, no, yours. go ahead. I don't okay. know how long. I so third worst team, I would say, is the Kings, like you okay. said. Um, slow, Kovalchuk is great, but he's 35. Um, their power play is less bad, but still bad. And, um, they're, they're running out of daylight already and it's not even November. And with quick being hurt, as we'll discuss in our injury section, uh, that certainly doesn't help their cause either. Um, second worst, I actually put Philly specifically their goaltending. I mean, Oh yeah. Philly's not that one. 22 shots the Islanders get on them on Saturday, and six of them go in. Like, how many 
six goals against kind of games are you going to have? Like, your offense cannot keep up with that, especially in a Metro division that thrives on offense. It's their goaltending, their defense needs to improve, or they're not getting any results at all. They should be doing a lot better than what they are right now, and um, they're paying for it right now. So they're my second-worst team. And then, of course, the face of losers right now is Detroit. I mean, they can't score. They can't defend. Um, I read an article on TSN detailing how sick and tired Nick Cronwell was of losing already, and, and head coach Jeff Blasio was echoing that same statement. They're, they're just the poster boys of losing right now. Unlike the Coyotes, it just continues to get worse. The Coyotes, you know, they got off to a rough start again. But they've turned the tide. They're gaining momentum. There's no momentum in Detroit right now. They've lost right. two of their first 11 games. That's not the face of a winner. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was thinking of putting in the Flyers because of their goaltending and all that. But I do expect, I feel like... Of the of the teams that we mentioned, I feel like the Flyers are more likely to you know be de- like make it into the yeah, playoffs. To figure it all out. Yeah. yeah. Um. Another team that I was considering was the Florida Panthers, but I feel like it's explainable because they don't have Luongo in. Um. But you know, even still, it's like, where's Trocheck? Where's Barkov? Where's Ekblad? You know, um, Huberdeau. Um, where was this hot start going? And uh, so that's where I'm not. Um, but I, I didn't put them in. Uh, that's another team I was considering, though. No. Um. All right. Uh, injuries. Uh, rapid fire as well. Uh, Victor Hedman. Um, is our first one. He has an upper body injury. It says that it's he's day to day, so he could play. He, he won't play tonight um, on Tuesday, but uh, so I don't know how long it's going to be. But um, it, it's not great. I think he had he was injured a couple times last year, I believe. But well, he was yeah. injured one. There were, he was supposed to be out like three, four, maybe five weeks with an injury, and I think he only missed like five games, and boom, he was back in the lineup. Right. So maybe maybe this is one of those things where he can just speed up. Uh, the healing process, and he's only out for a game, maybe two. But like I said, if it's out for at least a week, um, it's. I think it's more of a week-to-week thing, see how he feels. But uh, you, you take a look at his first nine games. He hasn't really dominated. Just True. two goals and four points. So, um, you know, you, you want Victor Hedman, when he comes back, to be healthy and productive like you would any other player, but especially him because he drives that power play right. so well. Like, he has... 53 power play points for the last two seasons alone. Very few defensemen can put up those kind of stats, yeah. even Eric Carlson. So um, I, I definitely think that um, Victor Hedman could maybe benefit from you know a couple of days rest because, again, much like the Toronto Maple Leafs getting by without Austin Matthews, I think Tampa Bay can get by without Hedman for a few games. Yeah, possibly, although it seems Stamkos has... Not been great. Uh, Kudrow's been okay, but you know it's. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think. I mean, Hedman is is really one of their better players, and was one of the reasons why they were so good last year. But um, so I think they will miss him. But um, yeah, you're right. At the same time, it's like Kudrow and uh, Stamkos. It's still tough to and Vasilevsky. It's still 
Um, you know, they still have a solid team. Um, also, I'm looking here on Roto World that Andre Pallad is also injured with a lower body injury. Yeah, um, he. I heard he's day to day as well. Yeah, he's day to day. You talk about their depth. Yanni Gord is a point per game player right now. Yeah. Tyler Johnson has uh, had his moments already too. So um, again, like like we mentioned in our season Great preview, point. when one guy is in scoring, someone else is. Right. And uh, they do right now, depth. those depth guys are uh, paying dividends. It's true, and especially when Stamkos has five points in ten games. So that's something you need to yeah. keep an eye on. That's that's not Stamkos yeah. um, material. No, exactly. But. I think, like Edmund, uh, he'll find his groove eventually. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jake Allen is injured as well. Um, I mean, you can. Uh, he's sidelined an upper body injury. It says he's day to day. Doesn't have a um, a timetable to when he returns. But it's, according to Roto World, he rode a stationary bike on Monday. So, so there is something. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you how it happened. So the Hawks, this happened against uh, Chicago on Saturday. The Hawks run a two-on-one. Jake Allen comes across to deny Brandon Saad of a game-tying goal. His teammate Zach Sanford, who had a three-point game that same night, is backtracking to trying to contain Brandon Saad at the split second that Allen is making that save. And Jake Allen's head ends up making contact with Sanford's knee, leg, face down on the ice. Yep. So if this is a head injury, um, this could spell big, big trouble. Yeah, you know, because right. we saw we saw how that uh, we saw how head injuries can affect goaltenders, and, and Matt Murray didn't look all his his best last year. Um, so may, maybe the head injury has something to do with that. Um, and even before this injury, Jake Allen wasn't looking like. His yeah. good self either. He was struggling to find his groove as well. I was so about to say, yeah, it, he, he, I wasn't, think that's he hasn't been great. The part either. is that, you know, a big save like that can really turn around your season, and then you hurt your head like that. That's that's just pretty yeah. demoralizing. I'm looking at his stats right now. He had a 399 GAA and a save percentage of 874. So that's not good. And his, yeah. uh, his backup, uh, Chad Johnson, has a 3.28 GAA and a save percentage of 872. So that's somehow worse. Um, but, um, but yeah, so um, although Jake Allen's only played in nine games, whereas Chad Johnson's played in three. So a uh, small sample size for Chad Johnson there. But still, it's like uh, um, not looking great for their goaltending issues. Insane yeah, and it's just it just hasn't been consistent. Like they yep. go up to nothing against Columbus, and then boom, 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 four goals by Jake Allen, and he's done. Right, and we kind of knew this. I mean, in our preview, we kind of said that this would be their downfall if Jake Allen's yeah. not, you know, not a capable goalie. Then mm-hmm. yeah, this will fall apart. Yeah. Um, also, I'm seeing here that Ty Ratty is injured too. We don't have this on our list, but I see that he had a middle body injury. He's week to week. Um, he was on McDavid's line for a bit. Um, so, uh, but, it, you know, so maybe there is um, something to that. But um, I don't I just think that's going to affect the Oilers too much, though, because um, I was taking a look at um, time on ice leaders by Fords. Yep. And Newton Hopkins is averaging around the same ice time as McDavid per game. Yeah, Newton so. Hopkins has been pretty good. 
Um, I think they have Yamamoto on McDavid's line now. Um, yeah, so he's going to take that, the place. That, that could buy um, but, Ty Ratty some time because yeah. uh, they seem to have some high hopes on this kid. Well, Ty Ratty had a, a phenomenal preseason game. So, um, uh, preseason. So I think that has partly to do with that. But, um, but yeah, he was on McDavid's line when he was healthy. So um, I don't know if that's going to continue when he is healthy again. But yeah. uh, we'll see. That's, that's a, I guess, a momentum killer in that sense yeah. because you don't know what's going to happen, you know, yeah. especially if Yamamoto gets hot. Exactly. Uh, Jonathan Quick, we mentioned this before, but um, it appears that Jonathan Quick is injured. Um, it says that he injured it in practice on, on Saturday. Um, so uh, he's sidelined. It looks like it's the lower body. He's still day-to-day. It kind of makes sense because he didn't look, you know, when he came, when he returned, he didn't look 100%. Uh, he kept on giving up all these goals. So, um, you know, maybe it's just like, oh, he's not, you know, maybe he is injured still. Um, so um, there's something to that. So um, just taking a look at what John Stevens said after Sunday's win. So here's his exact quote uh, in regards to the quick injury. To be honest with you, he went through practice and looked terrific, and it was at the end of the practice where he didn't feel right and got checked out. It wasn't any one incident where he said it was a shot or a save. By the end of practice, when he finished up, he went over and had a conversation with Kinger. So there was something that happened through the course of the practice. It wasn't one particular acute moment that had it, but he had a great practice, and I thought he was terrific. So we were all a little surprised that he came up lame after that. So... Throughout throughout practice, somewhere along the lines, uh, something happened. He didn't feel right, and uh, he got checked out afterwards. And um, John Stevens also said it's unrelated to the injury that he suffered a few weeks ago. So this isn't re-aggravating injuries. This is a different thing. Oh, okay. So this is just another thing. Which, um, I guess, is even more cause for concern. Right. Now that it's not the same thing and he re-aggravated it's it's another thing yeah that's interesting and, and it, which which is interesting because they don't disclose the injury so maybe that if this is something that affects his mobility issues this could be one of those carry price type of years where we're expecting the good carry price and oh my god what are we getting from carry price right. this year? like this is totally not like him i think that could be jonathan quick this year yeah, that's that's definitely possible from what what we've seen of him so far. But um, still, I don't know. Um, Alex Edler is injured. Uh, it seems like it's a knee injury. He's day to day. I was looking at this the other day. Uh, Alex Edler has thirty nine block shots in ten games. That's incredible. Um, that's but pretty yeah. good. That's three point nine uh, blocks on average per game. Exactly. So. Um, that's more than a lot of uh, players, um, so um, so that's pretty good. But he, you know, um, he's injured. There, he is their best defenseman out there. But at the same time, it's like the Canucks are uh, second in their division. They just got Peterson and Besser back, so um, so they they may not miss him too much um, if they keep on winning like this, but. Um, at the same time, they have, uh, you know, their, their, their weak point um, in defense is, uh, is going to be a lot worse when they don't have their best defenseman in the lineup. 
and that could probably um, start the snowball effect right. down the standings because I, I remember he was out for multiple weeks last year and it was around the time uh, where um, a lot of people on the Canucks were banged up and got injured within a span of a week or two. Yeah. And since those November, December injuries, they never fully recovered and uh, they finished where they were in the standings last year. So right. um, I think this is one of those cases where they start off well, then injuries slow them down and right. uh, they're not looking so hot. But uh, for right for right now, they're just plugging away. They're, they're battling. And uh, like you said, Minnesota comes in five game win streak. They beat them anyway. So right. uh, it, it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens. And the thing with injured knees, you know, uh, you suffer enough of them um, at Alex Edler's age. He's 32 years old. If this takes out half a step or a full step off his game, uh, this this could lead to a regression of sorts. But we haven't seen that much of a regression in his offensive game. Um, five assists in 10 games played, that's not bad for Alex Edler at his age. But, right. um but, but like I said, um, poorly timed injury for the Canucks because he's their best defenseman by a mile. And with him out of the picture, I'm not sure if the Canucks have the resources uh, to step it up and continue to play at the pace that they are. Yeah, yeah that's that's fair. Um, I mean, at the, at the same point, they never had a guy like Elias Pettersson um, last season. So, um so like he's he's looking like the real deal. He has like a I think he has like goal. He is a point per game player right now, um, even though he's only played five games. Um, so if they can you know if he can continue to do that, then not only forget that he's gonna be the Calder Trophy winner, he might win the heart if he uh, if he keeps this up. A lot of people were questioning Vancouver about selecting Ole Uolevi um, yeah. uh, in the close to the top five like they did a couple of years ago. Yep. And that, and I guess everyone had a bit of the same reaction, like, who's this Elias Pettersson kid? And yeah. everyone's probably like, you guys are freaking geniuses yeah. because this guy's amazing. Well, he has 10 points in seven games, so not even a point per game. He, you know, he's uh, he's, he's over a point per game. Yeah, now. he has seven goals in seven games, so that's where I yeah, got so that. Yeah, so a goal from. per game, too. A goal per game, yeah. Um, and then three assists. So yeah, he's he's been incredible. Um, like even better than Matt Barzal was last year. So um, he's something. Um, he's kind of he's kind of I guess the Matt Barzal of this of this um, but rookie crop I guess. But like he might. He's, he's yeah. just he's just full speed making yeah. all these neat plays. But he might even really be better taking the NHL by storm. Yeah, he might even be better because he. Uh, um, you know, Matt Barzal didn't score a ton of goals, you know. Well, he was, yeah, he was a setup yeah. guy, but, right. um, you know, you so could is, be looking at a 30 to 40 goal scorer yeah, right this here. is like a scoring center. How many scoring centers do we have in the in our league? Um, not too many. Not too many. Um, the, all right, returns, uh, that brings us to returns. I did mention Peterson and, and Besser. Um, also Galchenyuk and Seth Jones are retur- returned as well, um, Although, um, I don't think we, we officially said it, but I'm going to officially say that. I think we mentioned it, but I forget what we mentioned in that two-hour show. We probably mentioned a lot. Uh, so, anyways, they, they both returned last week. Uh, Dustin Brown also returned. Um, it's kind of funny that, like, the Kings were hoping for Dustin Brown 
uh, to return, and that's when you know your your season is uh, <laughs> is is spiraling when you're when you're waiting for Dustin Brown to return. Uh, but um, yeah, somebody give us any <laughs> offense. Exactly. We'll take a forty year old if he can yeah. score four goals a night. Um, I believe I, I don't know if Galchenyuk scored at all. Uh, but I do know that Seth Jones had like a goal and an assist in his. Re- oh, he had a new goal in his three games back. Um, um, Galchenyuk, um, actually, in that blowout against Tampa Bay, he only had one assist. Oh, okay. Uh, but he did get five of his seven shots on the year in that game. So uh, yep. Galchenyuk could be due for a breakout game soon, but he hasn't scored yet. Oh, I see. Okay, I forgot. And also, well, I knew that the Coyotes were like. Uh, you know, are finally scoring a lot, so there may be something to that. Um, and then other returnees, uh, we have Justin Brown, Mike Mike Green, uh, Michael Nerverth, and uh, Scott Darling's going to make his return tonight. Um, he's going to start against uh, the Bruins tonight, uh, supposedly. But uh, Michael Nerverth didn't have a great uh, return back. Um and Mike Green, I think I don't think he made the score sheet, anyways. But uh, yeah, uh, take a look at uh, Mike Green. Uh, pointless against Winnipeg. He got one assist in his second game against Dallas. He has mustered eight shots so far in an even rating. So okay. not terrible start to the year, but pretty decent. Yeah, not terrible. Um, and then we talk about Nate Schmidt. Um, he got. He got an extended to six years, um, about uh, $5.9 million in annual average value. Um, this is kind of interesting just because he, you know, he hasn't even played yet, um, and maybe that just shows that he's, um, you know, he's not, uh, um, you know, maybe it shows that, you know, since the Golden Knights are kind of, not doing so hot, so maybe it's like it shows that he uh, can provide something to them. Um, but it, it does. We did talk about this last week when they signed Alex Tuck to an extension. That like, you know, this could cost them if he's not good. You know, uh, they keep on signing these guys for long term, and this could bite them in the, you know, in a couple years when, uh, when they may not live up to this. So. It's a little risky again, but um, it could work out again because Nate Schmidt's one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. So, um, yeah. Well, he averaged 0.47 points per game last year, third most amongst Vegas defensemen. Their team leader in points after 11 games this year is Nick Holden. He has three. Uh, Colin Miller only has two points in 11 games, and he got over 40 last year. So um, I definitely think uh, Nate could provide a lot when he comes back. And from a defensive standpoint, this guy was absolutely phenomenal. Um, He was denying 3.64 entries per game, blocking 6.05 passes per game, ranking first amongst Vegas Blue Liners in both those categories last year. He's also a pretty smooth skater. Um, And defensively, they're they're not... um, there, there's not much of a defensive difference. It's not like their defense has spiraled down um, with uh, Schmidt's suspension. Um, they're, they're, still, they're still relatively effective on uh, the penalty kill. Um, 
uh, shots against per game. They're still one of the best in the league. Right. Um, so it's in, in those areas they haven't really felt Schmidt's absence. Um, but when you look at Nate Schmidt, you look at Nate Schmidt. I think of a Swiss Army knife. This guy can block. This this guy is one of those offensive defensemen uh, that you don't really see too much of. He can put up offensive numbers. He's a shutdown defenseman. He can play against the league's best players. Yeah. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. Um, maybe not as much hitting and blocking shots as someone like Braden McNabb, but um, Nate, Nate Schmidt is is probably their best utility defenseman on the team. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are going to look at his goal totals and say, oh, he only got five goals last year. Well, he only had 103 shots on goal. And he had 31 and Derek, assists, and, and Derek Engel, sorry? He had 31 assists. Yeah, exactly. And, yep. and he had five goals. He only had 103 shots. Derek Englund yeah. had more shots on goal than Nate Schmidt last year. Right. So when I, Derek Englund has more shots than you, like I, I don't think that's really – I think that really kind of undervalues what uh, Nate yep. Schmidt brings to the table. But like you said, the long-term contract is is a bit fishy just because of the timing. Yeah. Like you said, he hasn't played a game this year, but also what what are the odds that um, a team could have offered Nate Schmidt more money than what Vegas decided to pay him? Just under $6 million, that's what they decided to pay him, the Vegas Golden Knights in this deal. Right. So – like, is his stock value going to go up to, like, $7 million once he steps on the ice? I, I don't really <laughs> yeah, think don't so. Know. And even then, would a team be willing to pay the kind of money that Vegas forked over yeah. to Nate Schmidt? I don't know. So I, I think the timing of this deal is, is pretty interesting. Um, but I think for the long term... Um, th- this is one of those deals I think Nate Schmidt could live up to because I look at some of the other deals that were signed that are comparable to Nate Schmidt's, and I, I look at Jonathan Erickson when he's getting in Detroit. Uh, I don't think he's worth the kind of money that he's getting paid. Um, so, in fact, pretty much the only uh, contract similar to his that are close to um, worth justifying uh, paying that much money are Jeff Petrie, who was a 40-point scorer for the Habs last year. Um, and, and and that's about it, really. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's, it's one of those deals that could go either way. The long-term impact from a league standpoint is interesting because you have a guy like Jake Gardner who has more of an offensive ceiling, offensive ceiling than Nate Schmidt does. Nowhere near the defensive capabilities that Nate Schmidt has. Right. And you look at uh, Toronto's cap situation, we're probably going to mention it several, several times. How in the world can the Leafs afford to keep everybody? And, they, and the answer is they can't. And probably Jake Gardner is going to be the odd man out. A lot of other teams would probably be willing to pay big money to get Jake Gardner on their team because someone like Eric Carlson is probably going to be off the market. He's probably going to stay in San Jose, I would think. So um, that basically um, means that if someone got Jake Gardner for a ridiculous amount of money, um, then maybe
maybe someone would overpay to get Nate Schmidt. So maybe that's maybe that's part of the reason why Vegas decided to um, make this signing when they did because they didn't know what kind of a market there would be for defensemen this year. Um, so I, I guess in that kind of and uh, when you think about it that way, maybe George McPhee was right to sign Nate Schmidt when he did, but. He's making three hundred thousand less per season than Brian Ellis. Like right. Brian Ellis is a guy who has spent years averaging ten goals and forty points a season. Nate Schmidt hasn't hadn't even scored twenty points before last year. So it uh, to give him a ten team no trade from year one to year six and about six million on average per year. Um, it, it, it's 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 definitely. Um, a risk for Vegas in that sense. Um, and now the question becomes, like I said, um, what's going to happen to Jake Gardner? What's going to happen to Jacob Truba when they need new contracts? Right. Are they going to look at Nate Schmidt, uh, con- uh, Nate Schmidt and the contract and the money that he's making and say, I want what he's got, or I want more than what Nate Schmidt's getting. Because that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the snowball effect that I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see an inflated defensive market where um, a lot of defensemen are probably going to get more than what they're probably worth. Yeah. Um, right. Um, yeah. I'm just looking at his stats right now. He had uh, he had 121 blocks last year, 41 hits, um, and his sh- uh, he had 103 shots. Um, for 36 points, but the thing that kind of stands out to me is he had 22 minutes on ice on average, um, and that's uh, that's like five more minutes, or four more minutes than his uh, previous time on ice uh, when he was in Washington, who where he had, he averaged about 18 minutes of ice time. Um, so, uh, so I think there is something to that where, like, if you give him more ice time, he may. There is a chance that he could continue this the season that he has. But that's a big ass to uh, for him. Um, he is twenty six. Uh, he's twenty seven right now. Um, so, so there is. You know, it's not like he's that old or that young. But it could come back to bite them if he doesn't have a similar type season this year. Um, it also shows that maybe he isn't, um, they truly believe that he, uh, he wasn't on PEDs, um, but there could be a, some effect to that if, if he, uh, if he suddenly is, uh, you know, not as good as he was, um, last year, um, uh, to that, but, um, yeah. What's also going to be interesting to see is how this will affect, um, who they sign in the off season right. or who they choose to bring back in the off season, because yeah. I'm sure a bit of this money that maybe they didn't need to keep Nate Schmidt that they could have used elsewhere. They could give to like, uh, I don't know, William Carlson who scored 40 goals last year. Yep. So, um, that obviously means if you're going to give William Carlson the money that he wants, that means less money to keep all the depth guys that you might want to keep. So as a result, a couple of depth guys could, uh, feel the wrath of budget cuts. So uh, we'll see. Um, Maybe they'll benefit from the salary cap going up again, but at this point, it's tough to tell. Yep. Um, And then lastly, uh, we have Tom Wilson 
um, is not going, um, Tom Wilson, or Bettman upheld Tom Wilson's suspension of 20 games on his headshot to Oscar Sundquist. I think there's, uh, NHLPA has already appealed this, um, uh, to a neutral arbitrator, um, who, uh, who took on the Austin Watson. I think that's going to be tomorrow or Wednesday. Yeah. That, that by the time you hear this, yes. um, it'll either be ongoing or you will know the end result. Yeah. So we'll we'll know we'll by um, our next episode what yeah. happens. But what I did find, which was uh, so like frustrating to hear, was that the NHLPA. I'm paraphrasing here because I can't find the full quote yet. But uh, that the NHLPA said that they did not think that Tom Wilson should be suspended at all. Because it wasn't a like a suspendable hit or something like that, um, like it wasn't a hit to the head or something like that. And I'm just going <laughs> it wasn't like, wasn't a hit to the head? Did you yeah, see the replay? I know. I'm just thinking, and like, or like, and then they were saying like, and also it's like Oscar Sundquist is also a member of the NHLPA, so I understand that like you know the you have to stand like, I understand that the NHL has to appeal this stuff, the NHLPA. I'm sorry. Uh, they have to appeal this stuff because this is literally unprecedented uh, 20 games, and I can understand that aspect of appealing. But to say that this isn't a suspendable hit is, like, ludicrous to me. Um, so, I, you know, I, I kind of went, it's just, it's just nuts to even, like, it's, like, so, like, you could say the merits of, like, well, he should be getting 18 games or 16 games, but to say he shouldn't be suspended at all or even, like, find at all, is ridiculous to me. Um, maybe there is something... They, they did mention that it was also something to do with, like, um, that it was a preseason, uh, like, this happened in the preseason, but even still, it's like, it was a dangerous hit. It's like, you know, it shouldn't matter if it's preseason or in the regular season or in the playoffs. You know, this should be across the board. That's something well, I mean, that you, you can't do. Well, you look at what Steve Downey did to yeah. Team and Cam, and I believe that was a preseason game, and he got, what, 20 games? Yeah, so it's good that Batman's... Pretty sure he got 20 games for that hit. Yeah. And that, that was malicious. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, th- I, I think to, to rebuttal uh, that, if this was Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin or Connor McDavid or some other superstar player that got hit, I bet you you wouldn't hear this kind of thing. But because it's yeah. Oscar Sundquist, who hasn't really made a name for himself, it's just like, yeah, eh, you know. It's also nothing, like nothing Oscar, Oscar Sundquist hasn't even started skating yet. So it's like, yeah. you, you still, you, you know, if you if you say that it didn't cause him anything, it's like, yeah, he's still playing. Um, so I, I'm reading this quote from Bettman. The NHLPA brought up other players who had been suspended multiple times in a short time period. But Bettman noted that among the players mentioned, Wilson is the only player to have committed two illegal checks to the head, both of which caused serious head injuries in such rapid succession. So so that was where Bettman was just like, oh, and then Bettman wrote, in my judgment, a 20-game regular season suspension assessed to Mr. Wilson reflects and accounts for appropriately the unique combination of factors involved in this case, including the gravity of the offense, Mr. Wilson's prior disciplinary record, particularly within the relatively short period of time in which it was amassed, the multiple warnings and guidances he has received from the DPS, Department of Player Safety, and the seriousness of the injury. Um, so, 
Um, that, that's what Bevin took into account in terms of upheld, upholding this um, this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. what? We're not supposed to suspend people in rapid succession if they don't learn their lesson? Is, is yeah. that what we're trying to tell people? Right? I guess okay. so, yeah. Um, let's yeah, get- yeah. And especially <laughs> considering, you know, there's a concussion lawsuit. Oh, you don't want to give those people cane and fire. Like, th- this decision okay. is going to – this decision is going to take off one of two people. Right. It's either going to take off the NHLPA who – who think that this 20-game suspension is ludicrous. Or it's going to take off all the people with concussion lawsuit if this suspension gets overturned or reduced uh, to some extent and Tom Wilson gets back sooner than we all think and he's back, like, by next weekend or something. Right. It's just, like, how much do you really care about headshots? Yeah. How, how much really do you care about headshots? This, this was a headshot. Yeah. This was a headshot. He hasn't learned his lesson. He gets 20 games. I thought that was perfectly executed. And someone's got a problem with it. Please explain to me why you think this is worth appealing. I honestly don't get it at all. Yeah, I don't get and it either. If, 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 if this suspension gets reduced, um, that's twice where a serious suspension has been reduced by the same guy in less than a month. Yep. And um, I think the writing should be on the wall for his job. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, let's go to the Bruins Send segment. Uh, I think we're making good time here. It says we are in an hour and ten. So hopefully okay. um, we'll see. If maybe that means we're going two hours. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so far my phone is telling me in an hour and ten minutes. We'll do Bruins Sends here. Um, I forget who goes first, but we both can talk about the Bruins Sense game on Tuesday. Um, do I go? Did I win? Go first last week? I can't remember if you went first, but um, uh, your team won the World Series, so we'll go with you first. All right, I'll go first I will next. do that. All right, thank you. <laughs> um, I feel like I went first last week, but you may be right. Uh, let's let's do it. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, anyways, we can share this uh, recap on the Bruins Sens game on Tuesday. Um, Pasternak gets a goal um, in the first period. It was a nice uh, it was a nice uh, tic tac toe kind of play. Uh, Dan Heining gets on the board, so that was nice too. He gets the assist there, as well as David Krejci, who's been showing up too. Uh, Thomas Shabbat. Gets a goal in the second period that was um, an iffy one, but it made sense. It was a power play goal uh, from Bobby Ryan and Mark Stone. Um, David Krejci then scores a power play goal later on in the second period. Uh, Pasternak and Bergeron get the assist there. Um, And then in the third period, we have, it was kind of like, um, just crazy because Bergeron gets a goal in the third um, from Pasternak and Grizzlick, and then uh, Pasternak. Oh, this was the uh, crazy play from Brad Marchand, uh, who like uh, made uh, like he he deked out. I forget who the defenseman there. I think it was was it Cody CC. Is it, it was one of the um, or it might be Demello. It was, was it DeMello yeah, it was one of those. But anyways, he makes this like deke, and then he uh, passes it to Pasternak, and all Pasternak has to do is. Uh, shoot it, 
pretty much. And, and before that, didn't yeah. Carlo make a clutch block as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ends? There was a couple of, like, yeah, Carlo made a clutch block, like, a, a minute beforehand. I forgot about that, too. Um, it was a week ago. I can't believe I forgot this, all about this. Um, and then uh, I saw that the NHL um, uh, tw- uh, tweeted, retweeted this goal uh, from Brad Marchand, or like Brad Marchand's nice play. Um, and they were saying that it's like, you know, it's like a dirty play or something like that, um, which I thought was kind of funny because it's like dirty uh-huh. in the other sense, um, you know considering his reputation. Um, but yeah, this is a nice win for the, the Bruins. Uh, this Rask stopped 38 shots, uh, you know, 38 shots of 39, uh, possibly. So this was like his first good game that we've seen of him. I mean, of course, it's the Senators, but still, um, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, I can't really complain with Rask there. Um, and yeah, Bergeron, Pasternak, uh, Pasternak also has like, he's up there in the goal scoring leaders. I forget if, I think he still has, oh no, he, um, I don't know if he still leads the league in goals or not, but I think he's up there. Oh, he's in four, he's tied for second now because he has 10 goals. Um, but Patrick Kane has 11 goals. Um, he's tied with Forsberg, Matthews, and Landeskog um, for the for who all have ten goals. Um, then we go to the uh, the Bruins playing the Flyers. Um, I only saw parts of this game, but I did see uh, Jake DeBrus score uh, their second goal. Um, he, it was kind of a nice play because it was like it was right through Brian Elliott's legs um, in the five hole thing. But this was kind of cool too, where uh, Zidane Ochara gets on the board twice. Uh, one was an empty net goal. One was the first goal of the game. Um, Dannon Heinen also gets an assist there, so it's nice to see him up there um, being consistent. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty chippy. I remember from the, in the third period, there was a lot of fights going on. I'm seeing all these penalty minutes uh, from, like, different guys. Um, but, yeah, the the Flyers didn't look great. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the goaltending. But, uh, yeah, the the Bruins, um, you know, they looked, they looked decent enough with even without Kevin Miller and Charlie McAvoy, who are more defensive guys. Um, so that was nice to see that we can still uh, keep a lead um, for a while. Um, and then in Montreal, we get shut out by Montreal 3-0. Um, this was one of those games where I was watching the Red Sox, but uh, I was keeping attuned to the, the Montreal games. But from what I remember, uh, Carey Price was incredible. Uh, Brandon Gallagher, Gallagher, is that right? Yeah, Gallagher and Domi, um, they both had nice goals. Um, well, funny thing is, is so to bring on to this, Tuka Rast, uh, Halleck debate, uh, Cassidy, uh, kind of said that the first goal was soft and then the second goal was a defensive, uh, uh, misalignment. Um, and that's kind of what I, I felt the same thing. It was just odd for me to see that, uh, Cassidy, like calling out, like one of the goals is soft. So he's kind of like putting Tuka Rast 
on blast there to saying like, yeah, he should have gotten that goal where you like, you don't say that in public. Um, so it's just, um, it I was feel just that's frustrating. a slightly nicer way of getting your point across yeah. as opposed to John Tortorella where in, yeah. against, uh, when, when he was still coach of Tampa, when they won that cup, he's just like, just give me a save. Right. So I, I like, I, that, I don't that's, know. That's, that's how you really get yeah. your point across the wrong way. Yeah. So I, I felt like that was just like, what are you doing, Cassidy? It's just like, like, like come on, man. Like, I, I, I would You're admit. You're just providing ammo to Mike Felger. Yeah, that, I know. I was just, doing. I was just thinking, like, I, I can agree. Like, I'm fine if it's just Alex. Like, see, see, the coach yeah. of the Boston Bruins is on my case, and, and he agrees with me. He agrees with me. I, so, I'm, the, I'm the best. I'm the best. And I, like, I'll admit, it wasn't that great of a like. I was soft. It was a soft goal. I will admit that. But it was just like. And I've, I've said before, like a couple weeks ago, that I'm fine if Halleck plays 35 or 40 games this year. But at the same time, it's like, Tuca is definitely our starting goaltender. It's like, it, it, like you should, so like, just to put him on blast in front of the media, and you know they're going to like, ride him. I know it's the Red Sox wearing the playoffs and all that stuff, but like, you know, like, just... Like, it just bothered me that he even called Chuka Rask out like that. Um, if you if you want to put in a lag yeah. for 35 to 40 games, all you need to do is take a look at his stats with the Islanders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you're right. Um, but, I mean, like, to be fair, though, like, I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into Halak being a, a decent goalie this year because I feel like the Bruins have a better defense than the Islanders do, so maybe there is something to, uh, you know, to that where uh, it's just the defense is playing better but it was it was more I don't know um, so Halak's not a terrible goalie um, I still don't know how consistent he can be but I'm at the moment he he is the you know riding the hot hand he's gonna play tonight against Carolina Halak but um, and then I think we play on Saturday um, uh, Saturday is against Nashville, I believe. Uh, if which, that is correct, yeah. Which is probably which probably explains why um, why they uh, gave uh, Tuka Rask the night off tonight, and that and that's interesting because yeah, uh, when Halak got the start uh, over the weekend, yeah, we that basically Nashville. before the Sens game, uh, the game before, I believe Halak got the start in that yeah. against Vancouver. And I think that gave Tuca about a week's time to just, you know, like fully just hit the reset button, just forget about it. And, yep. you know, after that shutout loss uh, to Montreal, where Price outdueled him, maybe the approach is like, okay, we'll give Tuca, you know, just a week to like get zoned yep. in again. And then he comes in against Nashville. It's all business and he gets us another W. Right. Um,. Yeah, I mean, it's something to look out for, but, like, I think, you know, speaking of the Red Sox, you know, David Price has been maligned by the media, including Dave, Mike Felger. He has been David Price's biggest critic as well. Um, so it's just, like, it's just interesting how, like, Chorus seems to be, has, like, stand by David Price's side the entire time, and now it's just, like, this was one of the, fine, the times when, like, Cassidy just had to call out Tuca Rask like that. It was just, I don't know. Maybe he was thinking that it would inspire Tuca to, like, uh, you know, be better. But it was just, I don't know. I, I, I found that 
annoying as uh, as a Bruins fan and a strong Tuca supporter. So, anyways, uh, speaking of all the injuries that we have, uh, Charlie McAvoy um, is still injured. It looks like he's been put on the IR officially, so he won't be able to return, I think, until 10 days more. Um, same with Kevin Miller. He's expected to miss a couple of games. He has a hand injury. Um, and it looks like, but the good news is that it looks like Tory Krug has started skating. I'm seeing reports that he might even play tonight on Tuesday. So, um, so he could make his, his, uh, debut tonight. Also, um, we did, we were going to mention this on the rapid fire, but since they did play the Bruins, uh, Carey Price became the second winniest goaltender um, in Habs history, uh, just surplanting uh, Patrick Waugh. Um, he has 290 wins, Waugh has 289, and uh, the only, the win leader is Jackus Plant, uh, Plante, I guess that's how you pronounce Jacques, it. Jacques Plant, oh my god. I can't, I can't pronounce <laughs> Um, you, you, you're, I'm not, you're not a French guy, I can I guess tell. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, if that wasn't obvious uh, beforehand, it's obvious now. Um, I'm some, also some sick. Some of our loyal fans Look. is going to turn that into a meme overnight. I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know why Habs fans would be listening in on to like, a uh, Bruins uh, fan uh, and a Sens fan They're, they're just talking like, about okay, we know this is a anti, yeah, exactly. this is a anti-Habs podcast, but come on, like, you can say his <laughs> name, right? I know. I, I should have. Um, anyways, Jacques Plant, um, his, uh, he has 314 wins, Carey Price has 290. It does seem like I did, of the bits that I did watch, because um, I was watching the Red Sox on the main TV, and then I was watching the Bruins game on my computer, um, but it, it did seem like Carey Price ha- is back to Carey Price, so um, watch out the rest of the league, because uh, Carey Price is, you know, healthy Carey Price is scary, um, but it looks like he's back. And also, like, Jonathan Drouin and Max Domi are... We're we're playing pretty well too. So Max um, Domi's on a six yeah. game point streak right now. Yeah, and all so all credit to uh, uh, Bergevin. Um, he you know he uh, I didn't know if Max Domi was going to be the right player for them, but uh, it turns out that he is, and um, and all that stuff. But um, you know it's, it's it's still early, but at the moment it looks like the Canadians are a team not a they're team to be messed with they're more optimism than i thought they would exactly that's for sure. so uh, so they're not a team to be messed with for sure um, although it is still early but yeah um, so uh, let's go to the sense um, your your sense um, yeah um, before before we get to the sense i want to talk about a former sense for a quick sec Zidane Chera oh. scored two goals against Philly Third player in NHL history to score two-plus goals at the age of 41 or older. The other two are Tim Horton, who um, the establishment Tim Hortons is named after. Right. And uh, Nicholas Lindstrom, some okay. guy named Nicholas Lindstrom. Right oh, that guy. Pretty good. I think so, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. familiar. Also, th- this is an interesting thing, and you'll probably, uh, for all you people listening, you'll probably know the result of this. Um, Phil Esposito scored 14 goals in the, in the calendar month of October. So one October, he scored 14 goals. Pasternak has 10 this year. He needs four to tie and five to surpass him. 
He well, he needs, needs to, to do, do it tonight. All of that against Carolina. He needs to do that tonight. Well, yeah, he has to do that yeah. tonight or yeah, exactly. Tuesday night. Yeah. So you will know by the time you listen to this what happened. But yeah. if if he goes off and he's going to set off history with a bang, so right. well, that, I mean, that'll be that'll be something to look out for in this game. Brian. The Bruins haven't had a goal scorer in a long, long, long time, so it's good to see that he's up there. I don't know if it's going to continue, but I could see him maybe getting like 35, 36 goals by the end of the year. We'll see. It could be a 40-goal score. Yeah, it could be a 40-goal. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying like you won't be, but um, but yeah, I, I, I just don't know how long. It, I mean, I'm more cautious, I guess, than yeah. anything. Like Austin Matthews, he's probably going to have his... His sore spots, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll I think see. for the most part, Pasternak uh, is going to score a lot for the Bruins yep. this year. Uh, meanwhile, for the Ottawa Senators, uh, they at least tried to beat Boston. Uh, the Bruins went two for two with the extra man um, on the same power play. They went two for two. They got five shots. Uh, Ottawa went one for five, but they had 16 power play shots in the game. They had 39 shots on Tukarass the entire game. And uh, through the final 40 minutes, they actually outshot Boston 29 to 17. So the effort was definitely there. And I, I again, I see more and more of the young guys getting involved. Colin White got at least six minutes of power play time. Um, Shabbat scored again. He posted three hits as well. In fact, he's recorded a point in nine of his first 10 games this year, which is um, insanity. Yep. Uh, Weidman and Yaros had four block shots apiece in the Boston game. And, uh, Yaros had 12 in his career after that night, so he basically got a third of his block shots in one night. So uh, a good night for him, that's for sure. Um, definitely a lot of positives to take away, but just the start and the end of the game really did Ottawa in. Like five minutes into the hockey game, they were being outshot five to nothing. There was a mad scramble in front of the net that almost leads to a goal. In the second, for the first 10 to 15 minutes, they contained Boston, but then Boston got some chances late, and Ottawa lost a momentum swing battle. They didn't look like a team at the end of the game that really earned a point. Uh, for bits and pieces of the game, they certainly did, but the final 22 minutes, especially that 5-on-3 late in the second, absolutely cost them. Boston scores immediately on the first half, then within the first minute of the third period, they score in the second half, and Bango, bango, bongo, there's your game. So um, they head into the three-game road trip on a sour note, so they hope to turn their luck around against the Avs on a Friday night. And that's tough because, you know, we were talking about Boston as being one of the best top line, having one of the best top lines in the league. Colorado, yep. their top line has absolutely been killing it. So um, I was pleasantly surprised when five minutes into the hockey game, Ottawa's already up one to nothing. And, oh, Look at that, Matt Duchesne, a couple of seconds after they give him a tribute video, he scores and burns right. his former team to make it 2 nothing. So I'm thinking, oh, 2 nothing after one. This looks pretty good. Out shooting the Avs 13-11, that's pretty good. Um, and then, you know, like all good teams do, the Avs start to wake up a bit. They get a goal from Samuel Girard to make it 2-1, to one, who, by the way, came over from Nashville in that Matt Duchesne trade. Matt Duchesne says, okay, I'll score again. And he does 12 seconds later, so it's 3-1 Ottawa. But like the Boston game, Ottawa gave 
Colorado's top line a chance to score in the power play. And when you do that, you're probably going to get burned, and Ottawa did. Mika Rantanen gets his fifth of the year at 14-32. It's a 3-2 game after two. Um, and then 60 seconds into the third, another power play marker ties it at three. Then Landis Cog scores his ninth at 6-14. Colorado takes the lead. McKinnon scores a beauty minutes later to make it 5-3. And then Matt Nieto, for good measure, eliminates all hopes of a sense comeback with his second of the year with less than five to play. So Ottawa lost that game 6-3. But, um, again, this was another game where Ottawa was either up a goal, down a goal, or tied after 40 minutes. So, um, again, there are some positives to take away. But... When you take five penalties against a team like Boston, against a team like Colorado, and you give their power play time to work, they're going to bite you. And Ottawa bit the bullet four times on those five tries. So, um, again, like I said, those those top lines don't miss often, and they take advantage of their chances when they get it, and Ottawa paid the price. So you would think heading into Vegas things would get better, and then I looked at the shot clock and I thought, okay, they didn't uh, because – Ottawa was outshot 17 to seven in the opening 20. They were outshot 20 to 11 in the second, 15 to four in the third. And by the end of the game, Vegas had 53 shots towards Craig Anderson. And if it wasn't for Craig Anderson, this game would be over in regulation. Ottawa was lucky to get a point here. Simply put, Ottawa was lucky to even get a point on this, in this game. Uh, They were very, uh, conservative with their chances. They were able to capitalize on the chances that they had. They actually had a 2 to nothing lead, believe it or not. Um, but when you give up a power play goal to Ryan Reeves, <laughs> um, you're probably not winning that game. And uh, the Sens end up losing 4-3 to three in overtime on a penalty shot goal by Jonathan Marcheseau. And like I said, all because of Craig Anderson, they were even able to get a point out of this game. But... Um, Ottawa's, Ottawa's one of those teams where if you let them hang around a little bit, they'll turn um, they'll turn something out of nothing. And this was one of those games where they're able to walk away with something in a game where they probably should have gotten nothing at all. So um, give full props to Ottawa for hanging around. They can't afford many games like that because uh, if that's going to become a habit and Craig Anderson's being leaned on heavily, he can't do all the heavy lifting. He started every game since the third game of the season against Boston. So Mike Condon, at some point, you would think, is going to get a start. It could be Tuesday night against Arizona. Uh, It could be at some point during the home-and-home against the Sabres. We'll see. But they need to give Craig Anderson a rest because he's been absolutely overworked this year. Uh, He's in his mid-30s. If they they overstress him, uh, it's not going to end well for anybody. So... um, That'll be something worth monitoring. Um, I don't think they're missing Brady Kachuk yet, but um, I, I definitely think they had the a, a pretty bad week. Right. Um, they've only been without Kachuk for three games, three, four games. So they haven't really had a, much of a beatdown either. So I think, like I said, um, Maybe it's just a, a case of, you know, a bad night or two bad nights. But if they look like this for the next week, especially against, you know, teams like Arizona and Buffalo, like Arizona and Buffalo are doing well. 
Yep. But I still think they're teams that Ottawa should be able to beat. Right. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they fare without Brady Kachuk this week. If they don't fare well without him, then maybe I start to get a bit worried as to where the season is going. Um, especially on the injury front. Um, we got Cody Cece back. Alex Formanton's back. Ryan DeSingle's back. Zach Smith, however, has a broken bone in his face. He's out for the next month. Oh, joy. And then Ben Harper is also an injured reserve, so that's another defenseman gone. Uh, so if the injuries continue to pile up, this could be bad. And then uh, we're going to end the show with um, another defenseman named Mark Borbietsky, who didn't get hurt. He got suspended twice. And uh, I'll let Brett chime in here because one of them, right. one of those suspensions involves his Boston Bruins. Yeah, he... Uh... He uh, he's he elbowed. Um, it was like a he elbowed uh, Urho Vakaninen, um, who was our 2017 first round draft pick. Um, it looked like he was this looking. This is not well, a store. Well, <laughs> it looked like he was like looking straight at him um, at the goaltending, and then uh, at, you know at the goal line, and Barowski just elbowed him straight to the face. Uh, Urho Vakanainen is injured. Um, it looks like he's he has a concussion now. But he was suspended one game. I was surprised he was even suspended at all because I thought it wasn't like um, I was, they weren't even going to mention it. I was it. shocked that it was only one game, to be yeah. honest. I thought it was going to be two or three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought, like, I mean, I guess it's at least it's one game, but it's still, I was surprised that they uh, even did that. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so that was fine. And then you had something about Cody Eakin, right? Yeah, well, well, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a quick sec, but just to, just to also elaborate on what exactly happened. Like there's, there's a scramble in front of the net They're They don't know where the puck is. So back in nine and it's basically doing what any attacking player is doing. Go to the net, find the puck and bury it in. If you can, he's not expecting to get drilled in the head by an elbow and, what happens is Borbietsky, I guess it was it was just a matter of, of self-defense. You know, he sees a player coming in, and I guess he sticks up his elbow. His elbow ends up catching back in Nainan's head. But it, it, it looks on the replay, he looks up, he sees Vakaninen, sticks out his elbow, his elbow meets Vakaninen's yeah. head, and boom, Vakaninen's down. Right. So, like, it's... It's one of those things on instant replay where it makes it look like Mark Borowiecki knew exactly what he was doing when he was putting his elbow up. Yep. So even if there was no intent, you got to suspend him for that because it clearly shows he knew what he was doing. It, it clearly shows he has control of his elbow. He sees Vagnani coming up and he sticks out his elbow. Like you can't, you can't let that go unnoticed because that's going to set a precedent. It's just like okay. Someone comes charging into the crease like that. I'm going to stick up the elbow and I'm going to get away with it. Right. So, it, the the NHL can't set a bad precedence like that. He had to be suspended. Um, and and that's I guess uh, a precedent that Borowiecki wanted to address. He's just like, well, if if one of my forwards takes one in the chops during an effort battle, I 100% expect there to be a call in the future because that's the precedent that's been set. And he's right. Like, if, if, if you want to get it out of the game, okay. But don't call it on one play and, uh, and refuse to call it on another play. You've you got you to gotta maintain a precedence that you've already set with this play. So, um, 
it's it, it can't be like a catch twenty two where you call one thing and you don't call another thing that's exactly the same as that. Yeah. Um. So then we go to the second suspension. He gets back from his previous one. He gets in trouble again. This time it's Cody Eakin of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's a headshot again at full speed. It looks like it, it's grazing Eakin's head, but. At the end of the day, you make contact with the head. That's a strike. Eakins visibly dazed on the play. Another strike. Mark has suspended once already this week. That's another strike. So three legit reasons right there why this suspension deserved three games, or at least a, a suspension period. And I don't think Borowiecki is getting to Tom Wilson status. Right. But uh, sit back if you're in and let this happen. You have a job to do. You have players to protect. And I'm confident that Borowiecki is going to adapt. It was probably a rough week for him, but uh, that doesn't change the fact that he was going to get suspended. Like, when you leave a player days like that, you're just coming off a suspension. And it's in the first period, too. It's not even late in the game. It's, like, not even not even the first period is over when this happens. Um, as the league, you got to step in and take action like that. And it's right. unfortunate to see him get suspended again, but I was expecting a suspension as soon as I saw the replay of that hit. It's um, it's something that uh, Mark Borowiecki can't have happened to him too often because they need him on defense. On a team that's already short-staffed on defense, uh, on a team with a young defense already, Mark Borowiecki needs to be the shutdown, hard-nosed guy, and he can't be that if he's suspended. So, uh, Taking a look at some of the standings uh, real quick, uh, well, it doesn't really matter was... how good or how bad the Sens are because the freaking Atlantic looks stacked right now. Like, yep. three points separate first from fifth right now. Buffalo and Montreal are in that mix. Tampa, Toronto, and Boston are leading the pack. So, even if Ottawa does average or is close to a wildcard team, it's going to be pretty tough to break through that. Yep. Yeah. No, that's true. Um we're close to two hours again, but uh, um, so I, <laughs> I didn't want to warn you there. But yeah, no, you're right. The Atlantic is is kind of scary, especially with Montreal and Buffalo um, um, kind of being better than expected. Although Florida not being as good is is not great. But um, yeah, wait, are you are you done? By the way, or yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you had more to say or not. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. We are we are done. Um, I oh, uh, are, we are on Twitter. Lace them up. Our Facebook is lace um, um or lace them up. Our Twitter is lace up podcast. I always mess that up. Um, you can email us at laceupbag at gmail um, Yeah, I think that's about it. I'm I'm Brett Duboff. Oh, Steve Ellsworth. Oh, sorry. We're also on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you didn't know, you know now. Sorry. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 144 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Yeah.